4. Nehemiah chapter 4. While you're doing that, um, I just want to say I'm really thankful to be back home. I'm leaving on to go back on Tuesday. Um, I'm going to miss each and every one of you guys. That we have a church like no other. Amen. We have a pastor like no other. We definitely, Amen. there's no one like Brother Hooker. <laughs> <laughs> but no, he's, he's a great man, a great man of God. Uh, we are all very blessed, him and his wife. Um, so Nehemiah chapter number four, let's start at verse number one. It says, but it came to pass that when Senballat heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. Now let's look at verse number two. We're going to kind of dissect verse number two here. So it says, and he spake before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, what do these feeble Jews? So that's what I'm going to talk about today. How to get stuff done for God. That's what, that's what we're going to be talking about in Sam Ballot, he gives us a very good outline for how we do that in verse number two. All right. So the first first thing I see is the first question: how, What do these feeble Jews? So the first thing you have to know in order to be able to work for God is know what He wants you to do. Amen. That's the first thing. First off, you can't do something without knowing what you're doing first. Amen. So the Lord, the Lord has a purpose and a plan. For each and every Amen. one of us. Amen. And you can't fulfill that purpose without knowing what it is first. That's right. And the purpose is different for all of us. Not everybody's called to be a pastor. But some are. And some, that's what you have to do. You have to figure that out for yourself. And it's not going to fall into your lap one day. You have to be looking for it. You have to be in his word, searching, talking Amen. to him, listening for Amen. his will. And hear what he has to tell you. So the second thing says, what do these feeble Jews Will they fortify themselves? Second thing the Jews did when they, uh, the story of Nehemiah, as you, all you guys know, they were building the wall. Second thing they had to do, they had to fortify themselves. They were committed. They didn't waver. They didn't stop. It, it got in, they were in trouble. The, the Bible says, in Nehemiah, it says, they were building the wall with one hand and had a sword in the other, fighting off the enemy. It's not going to be easy. You've got to commit yourself to this work that God has for you. So that's the second thing. The third thing, it says, will they sacrifice? It will take sacrifice. You're not going to have everything work out perfectly for you. You're going to have to give up some things in your life. You're going to have to give up your, your free time. You're going to have to give up your life in order to get this done. And the next thing it says, will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in the day? Will they get their job done? Will they end their work knowing that they accomplished what the Lord wanted. And it will take work. It will take a lot of work. You have to work hard. You have to work every day. You have to nonstop. Work, work, work. Amen. The Lord has a purpose and a plan. He, he has, it, it all works out for you. If you put in the time and the effort and the, the motivation and the dedication, Amen. but you've got to work. That's good. And it says, the last thing it says, will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? We don't all have the same background. We don't all have the same story. But we all have the same potential. We all have, a, we all have that plan that God has for us. His perfect will is perfect for everybody. He doesn't pick and choose. He's not a respecter of persons. We all have the same chance to do just as much for God as the next person. But if we don't tap into that potential, we can't have it. So God, God has given you a chance. 
It's going to be up to us whether we throw it away or take advantage of it. Amen. Let's look at verse number six. It says, so built we the wall. Look at the end of verse six. It says, for the people had a mind to work. God has a plan. God has a purpose for your life. But it's up to you whether you follow these, these few little steps here in verse number two That's good, to see if you like what the Lord has. And, of course, if you do it, if you work, if you work his will, you'll like what he has for you. His plan is always perfect no matter what we think. Amen. 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 That's good. great that was great amen uh i really i took down all those notes i'll wait about a year preach it again <laughs> uh, that was great all right bell where are you bell where'd you go bell bell you ready <laughs> to preach no i told you i told you, you had me a song ready no, this is one later. Jeremy's going to sing later. I've given him a chance to get his breath again. Amen. I just told Belle that I wanted her to come up. And if y'all haven't learned a little bit about me yet, is that I'm sort of spontaneous. Have y'all noticed that? Uh, you know. <laughs> Belle's going to sing for us. You know why I have her sing? Because then she shuts up. <laughs> Page right quick? Yes, you can. Because I don't know do what anything you need to do, Bell. <gasps> well, you put me on the spot. I don't know what to do. <sighs> okay, sorry. <laughs> Day by day, and with each passing moment, strength I find to meet my trials here. Trusting in my Father's wise bestowments, I've no cause for worry or for fear. He whose heart is kind beyond all measure gives unto each day what he deems best. Lovingly, it's part of pain and pleasure, mingling toil with peace and rest. Every day the Lord himself is near me with a special mercy for each hour. All my cares he fain would bear and cheer me. He whose name is counselor and power. The protector 
charge that on himself he laid. As thy days, thy strength shall be in measure. This the pledge to me he made. Help me then in every tribulation. So to trust thy promises, O Lord, that I lose not faith's sweet consolation offered me within thy holy word. Help me, Lord, when toil and trouble to take as from my father's hand one by one the days the moments fleeting till i reach the promised land You know, I love to, to pick at her, but she sings beautifully. But let me tell you what, what it is. That there's, there's something, there's always a heart in her singing. It's not a, just singing. It's, I feel that, that what I feel like Belle is seeking God. And it comes out in her singing. I really do. And I appreciate that. Well, Matthew's going to come up and preach to us today. Come on, Matthew. You ready? No. I'm so nervous right now. I don't know what to do. But... Today, I'm going to be preaching out of Matthew chapter 7. Amen. While y'all turn, I'm going to tell y'all a little story how it came to me about preaching today. Well, we was driving. Brother Hooker was giving us a ride home, and he turned and dropped a shine on off and trapped me in the car. He said, Matthew, what do you think about preaching on New Year's? I said, yes, sir, I will. But in my mind, I was saying no. Never mind. No, no. <laughs> So, I'm going to preach out of Matthew chapter 7. I'm going to do verse 1 through 5, verse by verse. First verse, it says, Judge not that ye be not judged. So, basically, what that verse said mean to me is, like, don't judge nobody the wrong way just because of their action and their looks and not going to God and actually judging them through Christ. Amen. So, so the second verse says, For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measurement ye meet, it shall be measured to, to you again. So basically what that verse is saying is like, if you don't judge through Christ and give that person like mercy, grace, and compassion, that's how God go judge you. That's good. So if God judge you like that, that's a scary thought for me. So I'm going to judge him like God want me to judge him. So verse 3 through 5 say, 
and why beholdest through the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thy own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thy eye, and behold, a beam is in thy own eye. Though hypocr hypocrites first cast out the beam out of thy own eye, and then shall thou see clearly to cast out the the more mold out of thy brother eye. Both, what these verses are saying is, y'all, is that while we are looking at and judging others, we need to first look at ourselves because we're not perfect and we have things in our life that are not pleasing to our Amen. God Amen. and that hold us back in our Christian lives. Let us fix ourselves first so we can help those who's struggling the right way. Amen. Amen. That's good, bro. I'm saying all this to say that this church is the perfect example for of real judgment because y'all haven't judged me off of my appearance or even though I make mistakes, you don't judge me harshly off of them. Y'all just walk with God and pray for me and continue to be there for me. And I just want to say thank you. And we were through, this message was mostly about is we need to stop judging people and judge through Christ because we have an even bigger problem than that person. Thank you. Miss Peggy, that's a young man off your bus route, amen. He was about that tall when I came here. <laughs> it just something happened the last two years. Uh, he's, uh, Amen. 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 Thank you, DeMarcus. Where's DeMarcus? Ah. DeMarcus uh, he took time and, and uh, worked with Matthew over a sermon to get it ready. And Matthew's been working on a sermon. And he's been asking me for about the last two or three weeks. Were you serious? Were you serious about me preaching? And I said, yeah, every time I take him home, yeah, I'm serious, Matthew, I'm serious. You know what, folks, um, that's what the bus route and the bus ministry is all about. It, uh, it's not that we're picking up a bunch of perfect kids, and it's a good thing because we're not perfect. And if they'll overlook our imperfections, then then we, we need to overlook their imperfections, and all together we... We just get stronger in the yes, Lord, and Amen. and I've got I've got dreams for Matthew yes. and those like him. I, I believe God can use him. Amen. I believe God can use him. Wow. Well, Jeremy, you ready to to sing? All right, come on up. And uh, right after Jeremy, we're gonna have Demarcus come up and preach. All right. So Jeremy's gonna come sing for us, and Bell's gonna come play again. Are you ready this time, Bell? This one was prepared. This one was prepared. You're prepared on all of them, Bell. I know that.
Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, perfect delight. Visions of rapture now burst on my sight. Angels descending bring from above Echoes of mercy, whispers of love Perfect submission, all is at rest I and my Savior am happy and blessed Watching and waiting, looking above Filled with his goodness, lost in his love. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Praising my Savior. All the day long. Thank you, Bill. Appreciate it. I miss hearing Jeremy sing. You need to have him here more often. And Demarcus, you ready, man? Um, this ought to be a blessing to a bunch of you because Demarcus, been, when did you start coming to church here, Demarcus? 11 years old, and he's a blessing, yes, amen, yes, a faithful man and a blessing, and uh, and, I, and honestly, I got the feeling God's got a lot of additional things for yeah, DeMarcus in his future. Come on, DeMarcus, preach for us. Amen. <clears throat> I don't know about anybody else, but that song seemed like it went by really, really fast. <laughs> <laughs> We did a good job. Um, I'm proud of Matthew. Uh, when we uh, were practicing the other day, I was telling him that it was, it's not going to ever go like how you practice. Like, he was so confident, and he was just like, no, it's going to be just like this. But um, you did a good job. I'm proud of you. But um, I want you to realize, like, when, whenever you see a preacher come up here and preach, that whatever you were feeling, that's exactly what he does every time he comes up here. And... Um, uh, for me, I respect him, you know, tremendously for that. But um, <clears throat> turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 8. We said yesterday we were going to both preach from Matthew because we love Matthew. But <laughs> <laughs> All right, and um, verse <clears throat> 23. And when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. And behold there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. And his disciples came to him 
and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he said from them, Why are you fearful, O ye faithful, O, o ye little, o, o ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. So we all know this story. This is basically uh, Jesus after he's been preaching to multitudes. Um, it came to a point where they're on the sea, and there was a storm. And the storm was so bad, you got to think about it. There were three fishermen, skilled fishermen on this boat. But at the same time, they were still afraid that they were going to die. It says that they said, Lord, we're going to perish. Right. And the storm, you know, basically they had, they had no control. They, they felt like they were going to die. And they woke the Lord up saying, Lord, Lord, we're going to die. And the Lord said, why are you so fearful, uh, ye of little faith? Um, also turn to Matthew chapter 14 real quick. Turn to verse 22. And look at verse 22. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. <clears throat> but the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on, on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down on, out of the ship, he walked in the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the winds boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and called him and said unto him, O thou little faith, wherefore did thou doubt? So, I basically want to talk about the doubt. Um, we, uh, in this part, we know this story as well, where Peter wanted to walk on the water. He asked the Lord to help him, and he started to walk. And as soon as he started to walk, he sunk down, and um, he experienced doubt. And just in the other story, all the disciples were feel fearful that they were going to die, and they doubted that they were going to make it. Um, and when looking at their lives, uh, all of them saw, they saw Jesus do all these great things. They saw Jesus heal lepers. They saw Jesus feed 5,000 people with insufficient food. They saw Jesus do all these great things, but yet they still doubted. And in our lives, if they can doubt, then there's a big guarantee that we're going to have doubt in our lives. Um, but with that doubt, we, gotta just, we have to make sure that Jesus is there. We, he's there for us. Even though that we don't have complete control of our lives, things can be going wrong. Uh, with Preacher, he has all these things that the Lord has put on his heart and he has to deal with you know, his family health-wise. And us, you know, we have financial needs. We have um, just all kinds of family drama that we have to deal with. And, but the Lord is there. And what the disciples did do right was when they were in trouble, they weren't, um, they weren't um, 
bold, no, not, not bold, I'm trying to think of the right word. They weren't prideful to where they didn't call out for God. They at least, when they knew that they were in trouble, they still called out for yeah, God. Yeah, yeah, and, right. and he did what he did. And what God, what he, what he does, when he does these things, when he does these miracles, when he, when he shows us who he is, he's basically giving us more faith in him that he is God. And when we struggle in our lives, we need to recall back, uh, Brother Jeff was uh, just saying in choir, we need to recall back to those times where we have no control when, when everything is going wrong and we just think that we can't do it. God, he does it. And Amen. if you can recall back to those, those times, you, you, you have a hard time doubting God. You have a hard time um, not believing that he's going to take right. care of you. Right. Um, I'm going to share a little story uh, about one, one of the things. I mean, God's done a lot for me, but there's one story in particular that um, he showed me something that, you know, that just blew me away. Um, most of you know that I'm a fireman. And, um, but right before, you know, there's a process, you know, you take a bunch of tests. You do a lot of things to, you know, physical-wise to get in. And I didn't really have any of those problems, you know. I, I figured, you know, I have asthma, but I figured, you know, I was going to have some kind of trouble there, you know, with the test or something. But uh, everything was good, and then uh, finally I had a medical assessment. And basically they check your eyeballs. They uh, make sure you can hear. They make sure, you know, they x-ray your body to make sure you don't have anything crazy going on. They do a stress test on your heart. And... Um, and I, I was good and I was ready to go. And then like they put out this uh, machine that you breathe into. And when you breathe into it, it um, gives you a percentage of your breathing rate of how much you're using your lungs. And so I got scared then. I was like, oh good, here we go. I got asthma, this is gonna be a test right here. And um, I blew into this machine. And when I blew into it, it said 67%. And so I looked at the doctor and I was like, okay, what does that mean? He was like, well, Right now, Mr. Womack, if, if this is the case, uh, this is what you're breathing. He said that um, we can't, you can't be a fireman. We, won't, we can't put you through if you're breathing only 67% out of your lungs. And so I got kind of nervous. I said, what do I need to breathe? And he was like, well, you need to at least breathe 74, 73, 70, something like that. And I was like, okay, I can do that. I just breathe. I just blew a 67. That's possible. And so I blew it in again. I was kind of sick, but I blew it in again. And the thing said 62%, so it dropped. And so I got scared, and I was like, um, okay. And I was blowing as hard as I could possibly blow, and I was like, okay. He was like, well, you can, we're going to give you one more chance. He said, I'm going to walk out of the room, kind of give you a second. You know, you take a puff in your inhaler, whatever you got to do. And um, I took the puff in my inhaler, back there huffing the puff, make sure I was breathing good. I was like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. <laughs> and he walks back in the room, and I blew again, and I got another 67. I just, you know, I was put my head down, he was like, um, and I was like, can I get one more chance? He was like, well, Mr. Woman, I can give you one more chance because I, I like you, this, uh, but he was like, uh, the other doctor walked in the room, he was like, uh, we, we show you have a history of asthma, and I was like, yes, sir. Well, he said, well, since you have a history of asthma, we need you to blow an 80. And I said, an 80? I was like, I'm having trouble just breathing, trying to get this 70. I blew a 67 twice, then I blew a 62. And I'm like, um, this is just not going to work. You know, he's like, well, he said he noticed that I was kind of sick, that I kind of had some cold in my chest. And he's like, well, we're going to send you home, and um, we're going to give you three days to kind of, you know, kind of get your lungs up, whatever you can do to come back. And uh, he sent me to my car. The red Jeep I had, you guys remember that, that thing? I, I miss it. it. It set on fire. If you don't know, it set on fire. But I miss it. But I, I pulled off to, like, the nearest gas station, and I just 
broke down crying because I was defeated. Like, I was crying like a little baby. And um, I was sitting there, and I was asking, you know, why? Why can't I do this? This is something I really want to do. Um, and then, it, like, in the midst of it, it all just hit me like, okay, we never asked God, was this um, something that he wanted me to do? Was it in God's will for me to be a fireman? And it's just been something that I had been focused on, something that I wanted to do. And I said, well, let me stop crying. Let me kind of get myself together. And I uh, put my head down. I pray and I ask God. I said, well, I said, God, if this is something that you want me to do, uh, Lord, um, I'm ready and willing to do it. And I said, if it's something that you don't want me to do, then that's fine, Lord. We can, we can find something else. Uh, we'll, we'll search it out. We'll find out what's your will for my life. And I prayed, and I just put it in God's hand. I went home, worked out a little bit, trying to get my lungs up, did some push-ups. Um, I got on my breathing machine for three days. And I went back, <clears throat> and I blew in there. And the first thing I blew was like a 72. And so I was encouraged, and I was like, okay, well, I got to blow this 80. <laughs> and um, I blew again, and the next time I blew, I blew like an 84. And, you know, it was just one of those things where I kind of, you know, I, I felt good. And um, they asked me to blow one more time, and I blew again, and I blew another 67. <laughs> and and I, I put my head down, and the doctor said, well, you know, we're just going to go with the 84 and the 72. He said, you're going to be fine. And there were a bunch of nurses in there. They were clapping, you know, happy for me. But, you know, it's just one of those things where I can always look back on that and say, you know, God is real for me in my life. And, um, I can go to work every day and I can thank God every day that I have the job that I have because I know that he gave it to me and it's his will for me to be there. Um, so just like I said, whenever you need, you're in trouble and you just feel like God can't help you, you know, you, he's always there. And um, I'm going to get Miss Johnny May. Psalms 34.4, what does it say? Exactly, and that's what we need to focus on. All right, thank you. Hey, 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 yeah, just like the those disciples in the boat, you know, you get caught up in your own strength, get caught up in you got to make it happen, get caught up in, you know, in everything you're battling, and when you just stop and say, okay, time out. I forgot the one that can really make this happen. And you know what's so good is that God doesn't look down on us at that point. It's not like he says, nah, nah, don't have time for you now. Now he's so patient and gracious with us that he looks at us and he says, okay, I'm glad you came to me. And, uh, and you know, that has to be, if people don't realize it, but, but to go from, from a 67 to an 84, any of you ever blown on those machines before? Listen, I've, when I was, they wouldn't let me out of the hospital until I could to come on up there in, in that thing. And, and it took me about a week just trying and trying to get my lungs stronger. And it, it's hard. I mean, you, you give it everything you got and that thing don't move. You know, it just, you wish it would, but it just doesn't. So that had to be God did that. Amen. All right. Uh, I've tormented, tormented him long enough. Jordan is going to preach for us.
And apparently he's preaching about, he's not preaching from Matthew, he's preaching from Michigan. And, uh, but uh, this was, really was a little boy when I came here. And uh, something happened over the last two years. And I'm not sure anybody else got to, to eat at his house, but, <laughs> but he sure did. But Jordan's been a blessing to me and, and uh, an encouragement to me. He's always been an encouragement to me, and I appreciate that. Jordan, you preach for him. Amen. Well, first of all, I would like to thank Preacher for letting us do this, and it means a lot. Um, but anyway, turn in your Bibles to um, Exodus 12. And Exodus 12, 11 and 12 says, And thus shall ye eat it with your loins girded, and shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it in haste. It, it is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute my judgment. I am the Lord. So, the title of the message is Be Ready. And in this, it God is telling the children of Israel that they have to be ready for when God is exacting his judgment on these people. And three people that have really stuck out to me about being ready would be Esther for when she was just a Jew, had nothing to look forward to, and then the king was like, okay, you're the prettiest, so I'm marrying you. She became the queen and then saved her entire people. And then Ruth, who lived not anywhere near where that where God was, and then her and her mother-in-law moved back. She married, um, what's his name? Boaz, I think. <laughs> um, and then David, who just a little farm, a little shepherd boy, who taught himself how to use a sling, and then ended up killing Goliath, with obviously God's power. But he was ready to do that. But then, also turning your Bibles to Judges. Chapter 11. And verse 29. And it says, Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah, and he passed over Gilead and Manasseh, and passed the Mizpah of Gilead from Mizpah of Gilead, and he passed over from the children of Ammon. And Joseph vowed a vow unto the Lord, and said, If thou shalt without fail deliver the children of Ammon into mine hands, then it shall be that whosoever cometh forth of the doors of my house to meet me when I return in peace from the children of Ammon shall surely the Lord and I will offer it up for a burnt offering. And Jephthah passed over the land of the children of Ammon and fight against them, and the Lord delivered them into his hands. And he smote them from error even <laughs> till he came into Minith and twenty cities and unto the plain of vineyards, the very great slaughter. Thus the children of Ammon were subdued before the children of Israel. And, that, and Jephthah came unto Mizpah, unto his house, and behold, his daughter came unto to meet him, and with timbrels and with dances, and she was his only child. Besides her, he had neither son nor daughter. And it came to pass, when he saw her, that he rent his clothes and said, Alas, my daughter, thou hast brought me very low, and thou art one that trouble." That trouble me, for I have opened my mouth unto the Lord, and I cannot go back. Now, if you keep reading, it, he, he goes through and actually sacrifices his daughter. 
And so we need to be ready to follow through with the promises you have made to God. And if you turn to Jonah chapter 1, please. And it says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he passed the fair thereof, and went down into it. And, and to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So, Jonah, you're not supposed to run from what God has told you to do. And that's exactly what Jonah did. So, in order for God to open his eyes, he had to get swallowed by a whale. And he had to sit there for three days inside the disgusting stomach of a whale. But, that reminds me of a story like, I think about three years ago, God had told me I was going to be a pastor. Like, he told me he wanted me to be a pastor, and I was like, I said no to God. He was like, I want you to do it. I want you to do it. And for a year, I just said no, no. And then two years ago at camp, preacher was preaching, and I was, and he said, give it all to God. <laughs> that's what I did. And then please turn to Acts chapter 5. In Acts chapter 5, verse 1, But a person named Ananias, with Sapphira his wife, sold a possession, and kept back part of the prize, which his wife also being privy to it, and brought certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost, and to keep back the part of the price of the land? While it remained, it was it not thine own, and after it was sold, was it not thine own power? Why hast thou conceived thine, thine thing in thine own heart? That thou hast lied unto men, but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost, and great fear came on to all them that heard these things. And if you keep reading to around verse 10, it talks about his wife lied and died the exact same way. So, if you, and my point is, when you make a promise to God, you have to go through with it, or obviously bad things will happen, and especially don't lie about it. It's a scary thing to, I, well, you have to come up and preach sometime to understand, to speak in front of people. Uh, I don't know how Jordan's been, but I, all through school, I was the one that just did not raise my hand for anything. Don't, don't call on me. I just don't want you to call on me. I don't, you know, I'm always living in fear that you're going to call on me. And, you know, God doesn't really look at that. He looks for whatever reason he chooses us. And I had to learn, and I think what Jordan is, has learned from what he just preached, um, that you can't outrun God. Amen. You know, you just can't outrun God. Uh, and, and 
You know, when it says the gifts and calling of God are without repentance, you know, we so often we use that and say, okay, you know, if you've surrendered to God, if you've surrendered to the call of God, then that's not to be, you're not to go back on that. But really, the gifts and calling of God are without God's repentance. He doesn't change his mind about it. He doesn't repent and say, oh, I shouldn't have called him. Once he calls you, you're called. It's a done deal. Now, whether you do it or not is another thing. But once he calls, he's not changing his mind about what he wants you to do. So, Jordan, I'm proud of you. And, uh, you know, I'd like to tell you the next time it'll be easier. No, it won't. (laughs) (laughs) It won't. All right. Uh, Well, uh, I'm a pianist. Uh, I guess Hannah's not here. Did she leave? All right. Uh, Bell, I was. I said I was going to do this. No. Wait do you know another hymn that you play with the ukulele? Uh, no, I'm just wondering if you already have one that you play, and you can play along with us as we lead the congregational song. Okay. One ten. One ten. Look at that, that's incredible. Sure, yeah, okay, I'll come play it. Let's turn to hymn 110. I tell you, listening to these young folks, it does my heart good, and I, I feel very assured that God is going to do great things to these young folks in the future. Hymn 110. A little bit lower than that. What? Okay, we'll try. That's as low as it can go. Okay. <laughs> All right. So That's what we'll do. All the way my Savior leads me, what have I to ask beside? Can I doubt his tender mercy, who through life has been my guide? Heavenly peace, divine is comfort, here by faith in him to dwell. For I know whatever befall me, Jesus doeth all things well. For I know whatever befall me, Jesus doeth all things well. Verse 2. All the way my Savior leads me, cheers each winding path I tread, gives me grace for every trial, feeds me with the living bread. Though my weary steps may falter and my soul a thirst may be, gushing from the rock before me, Oh, a spring of joy I see Gushing from the rock before me Lo, a spring of joy I see All the way my Savior leads me Oh, the fullness of his love Perfect rest to me is promised In my Father's house above when my spirit clothed the mortal wings as flight to realms of day, 
This my song through endless ages, Jesus led me all the way. This my song through endless ages, Jesus led me all the way. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. Do you need me to just stay up here? <laughs> uh, maybe. Uh, that amazes me that what the talents that God gives people Amen. for us to just pick, you know, Brother Hopper just throws out a number and she just says, okay, <laughs> she doesn't even know what song it is, you know, just incredible. Uh, the, the abilities of people just amaze me. All right. Um, are y'all okay? Yes, now, do you need to take, do y'all need to take a little break? Do anybody need to, uh, take a break? <laughs> no. All right, we have one more. I'm gonna give him a little bit longer because I, I you know, I just want um, Brother Josh to have some time to preach to us. Uh, my wife raves about his teaching. She gets to be over there and hear him, and do, and she says he just really uh, has a teacher's heart. And so, Brother Josh, come on up and preach to us. Amen. <laughs> I, uh, sitting here, was, uh, it's been interesting so far tonight, being able to watch uh, man, Demarcus and Jordan and Jeremy and Matthew. I've been around a little while, and I've seen just they're little fellas at one time. I mean, Jeremy used to run around with that raccoon hat on backwards with the tail on front of it, and he couldn't <laughs> see where he was going. And he's grown up, and it's just like, wow. Yeah. And God just, you know, I mean, God is awesome. Uh, Matthew in my class, man. I mean, I remember fourth grade, uh, fourth grade. I mean, sitting in there, but I could tell with Matthew, there was something about Matthew in there. And, and you know, God is good. And to sit here, and I know I'm watching Amy, and she's got this big old smile on her face because she's had three sons up here today. And you just can't, you just can't wipe the smile off her face. It's just, it's been really, it's been a joy to my heart to watch these young men up here. And then on top of it, preacher keeps on saying young men preaching. <laughs> I get real excited about that, and then I realize I'm excited about that. I can't be a young man. <laughs> I enjoy it way too much. Uh, if you would, please turn to 1 Thessalonians. Uh, preacher mentioned something, me, something about me preaching Wednesday, and uh, I was like, oh. So I thought of the last message, the last time my wife preached at me, and I kind of wrote down some notes from that. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> no, um, God's actually been working on my heart about something anyway, and I hope this will be a blessing to you. I hope this, uh, this is something that will be a little bit more of an encouragement to you. Um, just maybe something you've heard about, thought about before, but maybe from a little different angle um, than what you thought about it before. But before we get started, let's have a word of prayer. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for um, just your faithfulness to us, your, your love for us, your kindness to us in spite of who we are, dear Lord. Father, I pray that you'd be with the remainder of the service. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would have free reign through our hearts and through our minds, dear Lord. Father, I pray that you'd use me. I pray that um, you'd give me clarity of thought. I pray that you'd place a hedge of protection about us, any spirit that would uh, seek to exalt itself over the knowledge of you, dear Lord. I, I pray that, that it would be bound and it would not have any, um, uh, any work here, dear Lord. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. If you'll turn there, I'm going to read... Um, just a verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And just to give you all a heads up, some of the kids who were in school here a few years ago, they, there was kind of a little bit of debate who's more long-winded, me or Demarcus. 
we're going to go ahead and get that, uh, we'll get that settled today. First uh, <laughs> uh, Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13 says, And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. Um, going through that, and I'll be honest with you, um, that verse is always kind of, uh, I've questioned that verse a little bit, not so much that charity was the greatest, because uh, Paul goes through it in chapter 13, and he explains how, important charity love is in the Christian life and he even goes as far to say as if I have had faith enough to move a mountain and I have not charity it profits me nothing so charity is a is essential to the Christian life and then faith you can go into um, Hebrews chapter 11 and you can read exactly how important faith is in the Christian life but reading there and you read in in chapter 13 verse 13 of 1 Corinthians it says faith hope and charity so you've got hope in the middle of these two pillars of the Christian life. And to me, it was just like faith, yes, charity, yes, but hope. You know, the way we use hope nowadays is hope is, well, it's almost like a wish. It's almost yeah, like right. if everything works out just right, I hope this works out for me. Yeah. But that's not what biblical hope is about at all. So in First Thessalonians, I think we find a good picture of a church where these three, faith, hope and love worked within this church and we can see that and we can kind of understand that and then we can at least get a better picture in our mind what those three are doing in the Christian life so if you look at first Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 2 says this we give thanks to God always for you all making mention of you in our prayers remembering without ceasing your work of faith labor of love and patience of hope in our, in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God and our Father. So we see, Paul mentioned this back in, in 1 Corinthians, but now we see in 1 Thessalonians a little bit more where this is dwelling within a church. Now, a little background in, in the church of Thessalonica and, and actually the, the reason why this epistle was written. Uh, in 50 AD uh, is around, around the time that that church was founded. Uh, you can read the story of it in Acts chapter 17. And during that time, the Bible says that Paul, Silas, and Timothy were there in Thessalonica. And as they're there, they're, they go into the synagogue as what Paul's normal practice would be. And he would teach about Jesus using the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures. It says he taught for three Sabbaths. And at the end of those three Sabbaths, some of the Jews, few of the Jews believed, but many Greeks believed. But during that time, the Jews who didn't believe, as what would happen often in, with Paul, they would cause a, a frenzy, a riot. They would yeah. cause problems where he was teaching to the point that for Paul's safety and the fact he's not effective in that city anymore at all because of what's going on, he has to leave. And he goes, on, he goes to Berea. Well, he's at Berea, and the contention was so strong in Thessalonica that when the Jews there find out that Paul's in Berea now, they bring the problems to Berea. That's how, how sharp the contention was. So Paul, now think about this from Paul's point of view and Paul's heart. Here he is, he's at a church. He's got these Greeks who turned to the truth. They've gotten saved. They want to grow. They're learning. But he's forced to leave. He's forced to step out. And now he's got these brand new converts and he's like, man, they, man I hope they make it. So First uh, Thessalonians was written in AD 51. So you're talking about Christians who at this point are saved for around a year. 
and he's following up with them. But if we look in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 18, it says, Wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. So Paul's saying, man, I wanted to come visit you. I wanted to come talk to you. But, there's, but Satan has hindered me to where I've not been able to come to you. Uh, look at chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone and sent to Motheus, our brother and minister of God, unto, uh, I'm sorry, minister of God and our fellow labor in the gospel of Christ to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith. Look down at uh, verse 5. says, For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you and our labor be in vain. But now, when Timotheus came from you unto us and brought us your good tidings of your faith and charity, and that ye have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us, as we also to see you. Now, if we look at this verse here, in verse 6 it says, He brought us good tidings of your faith Amen. and good tidings of your charity. Amen. Hope is not mentioned. Right. Something happened. From the time that Paul and Silas and Timothy left to the time that Timothy came back to help encourage and establish the church, their hope was gone. So now in this, in this church, if we can look at this church, we can see what it looked like when hope was there. And we can also look at this church when hope was gone, what it looked like. So if we, if we, if we look on uh, chapter 3 and verse... Guess I should use my notes. It'll make it a little easier. Um, but in chapter three, he goes on and he he re, he talks about again. He talks about how your 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 faith and your love is here. And you can say, you know, brother Josh, but just because hope's not mentioned doesn't mean that they've lost hope. But if you continue to read the scripture, you'll see that following up, he starts speaking about their faith. Uh, in fact. Chapter or verse 7 through 10 discusses their faith. If you look at uh, verse 7, it says, Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all your affliction uh, and distress by your faith. Verse 10, he's still speaking about faith because night and day praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. So he says, Timothy came back and he told us about your faith. And he starts talking about we're encouraged by your faith and we want to help your faith grow. But then if you look at uh, chapter 3, verse 12, all the way through 4.12, he's then speaking about love. He speaks about brotherly love. He talks about the right kind of love versus the worldly kind of love, the sin sinful kind of love. He then explains to them and helps them understand what love is and how they, should, how they should deal with this love and what's right and what's wrong. So the theme continues from faith to love. Now, if you look at chapter 4, verse 13, he then changes on it and it says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. So now he's dealing with the fact you had hope, but now you're sorrowful and, and you are acting as if you have no hope now. And so you, we see that this is a theme of this epistle. As we really look at it, it is faith, love, and hope. And if you, if you look at chapter uh, 5, verse 8, he continues with it because it says, Let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. So we can see, going back to, to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, faith, hope, and love, that together, together they have got to dwell in the Christian's life. 
It's not good enough. Even though charity is the best, it's the greatest. It is not good enough just to let love be in our life. It's not good enough just to have faith within our life. Now, to help understand that, let's go all the way back to, to chapter 1 and verse 3. It says, remembering without ceasing your work of faith. Okay, so now we see accompanied with faith, love, and hope. There's something else with that. And where it says work of faith, that means it, it comes from the faith. It belongs to that faith, and it's that work. Well, the Greek word for that, for that word work is toil, okay? But it also has the, the, the meaning in there as well is occupation. Okay, so if your faith is like an occupation, that means it's a faithful work. You are working, but you are faithfully doing it. Does that make sense? So, Brother Wayne, you're still a painter, correct? Okay, so pretty much when you're working, you're doing what? You're painting. I mean, that's pretty simple, isn't it? But he faithfully, every day he goes to work, he's painting. It is a faithful work. Okay, that's not to say, you know, when you go out and you mow the lawn, I don't think you consider yourself a lawnmower man. I don't believe that's what it is. You'll go out there and you will do that work, but it's not a work of occupation. It's not a faithful work that you do day in and day out, day in, day out. So in the life of a Christian, the work that comes from faith is a faithful work. Amen. So I, that's, that's why James said, you know, you want to show me your, your faith? That's fine. I'll show you my faith. By my works. Faith without works is dead. Why? Because that faith hasn't grown enough to put you to be faithful in the work that God has called you to do. Does that make sense? Yeah. Now, let's look on to uh, the next one. So now it says in verse 3, uh, your work of faith and labor of love. Now, you've got work mentioned, and now you've got labor. Very similar words, right? We're talking about work. But that means toil. But it doesn't just mean a toil, but it, it's also, that's the same word as with when a child's being born and a mother goes into labor. That includes hard work, and the Greek word for that means reducing strength, word, work that as you work so hard, it weakens you. And it means to continue working through pain and through sorrow and through weariness. So now we see faith. Faith causes you to work day in, day out faithfully. Love Causes you to do it when it hurts. Causes you to continue doing it when it's hard. It causes you to do it even through sorrow and pain and grief because it's out of love. Love for the Savior and love for your fellow man. Now, if we stop right there, we've got a picture of the, the church of Thessalonica after Timothy came and visited or in that time frame. You've got people who are working and they're working faithfully and they're doing everything they can. Working hard, loving one another. But Paul says that is not enough. He says there's got to be hope. Okay? So what is hope? All right. Um, hope means to anticipate with pleasure. Okay? Patience means cheerful endurance. Look, we can work day in, day out. We can do everything we're supposed to do, and we can be tired, and we can be run down, and without hope, we'll be sorrowful. We'll be tired. There's no smile in our face. There's no joy in our life without hope. But with hope, we can go through it cheerfully. And we can anticipate with pleasure what God is doing and what God is going to do in our life. Why? Because we have hope. That's amazing to me because God cares enough about us not to just to do a work. 
but to do it with a smile. Yes. Amen. Man, that's something else. Amen. Don't, don't be tired. Don't go around with your head down like you have no hope. We have hope. And yeah, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. If this doesn't get you happy, <laughs> I don't know what will. Because let's go back at, at chapter 4. Verse 16. I won't read the whole thing he says to him here. But in, in verse 16, he says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven. And with the shout of the voice of an archangel and the trump of God, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Amen. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Hey, look, you know what? Heaven is my home. Hey. One day I'm going to look down and you know what's under my feet? Streets hey. of gold. I got a mansion waiting hey. on me. Man, I can smile because that I've got a final hey. destination. I don't care what you throw at me. I'm in heaven. Hey, come on. Man, let me tell you something. That gives me hope. But you know what? That it, hope doesn't just end there. You know why? Because in Romans chapter twelve, verse twelve, it says this: it says to re rejoicing in hope and patient in tribulation. Look, we can't just hope. We can't go through life just knowing that the end is going to be okay. Yeah. It goes on. beyond that. In uh, Psalms forty-two eleven, it says, "Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall praise Him." who is the health of my countenance Amen. and my God. Let me tell you something. I walk side by side through this life, and it's not by myself. I look over, and I'm holding God's hand. He is there with me. He said, I am in his hand. He said, you know what? He said, a sparrow doesn't fall to the ground without me seeing it. Aren't you worth more than many sparrows? Come on. He said, the, ha the hairs on your head are numbered, and with me, it's not a hard job. <laughs> but he cares enough to number all four of them. <laughs> Let me tell you something. That is a God who loves you. He doesn't leave us walking around through this world by ourselves. He doesn't look down and say, you messed up. I'm not helping you anymore. That's not the God we serve. And we allow Satan to come to us and lie to us about God's character. And we think he's not there with us. We think he's not there helping us. The whole time he's side by side with us because he said he will never leave us nor forsake us. He said we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. All of these promises that we find in God's word, we stand back and we go, yeah, but I'm the exception to that rule. Okay? So we're the reason God's a liar. Because we're the exception to that rule. Because for some reason, yeah, we, we know that we get saved and it's because of God's goodness. But for some reason, we think we walk through this life without God's goodness. But God's character and, his God's, and God's love is still there. And he will still work out. All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Amen. They are. Now, we can go through life like this. Man, this is tough. What if this happens? And we can do that all day long while God's working things out around us. And we never see it. We never rejoice in it. Amen. We're never happy with it. Because we're so busy running in life from fear to fear, worry to worry. That we don't even see God working in our lives, doing amazing things, working miracles in our lives. And then when he does work a miracle, a lot of times, you know what happens? Our lack of faith and lack of hope in who he is, we excuse it away like it's some happenstance. Yeah, like it's some just weird circumstance that we just didn't see that could have happened. Do we not have a mighty God? Do we not have a God that loves us? Why do we excuse it away? Why do we act like we have no hope? Amen. He is our hope. Uh, I'll end this. I'll, I'll end like this. When uh, I, had, I had the opportunity in October to go to Ghana. 
And uh, it was an awesome, awesome opportunity. But on the way back, we flew from Accra, which is the capital of Ghana, to Brussels. And that was a eight, nine hour flight, I think. And it was a packed flight. I was sitting in the middle um, of two guys sitting there and it was just, it was crammed, it wasn't comfortable and you're just sitting there and you feel like you can't move because for some reason the guy in the middle does not get any access to the armrest. <laughs> just doesn't. This guy's got an aisle, this guy's got an aisle, but he gets your armrest as well. And you sit there and I got this, I don't know if Brother Mike's going to see this or hear this right now or not, but I've got this awesome picture of him because he's behind me and there's one open seat on the whole plane and it's next to him. So I take my phone up to take a picture and he's smiling. Well, there's a guy walking around there trying to find out where to put him. So I've also got this after picture of Brother Mike with the guy next to him. So I love those pictures together. Uh, why? Because you know what? It's, we look for that comfort, you know? And we go through the, the plane and I'm sitting on this eight hour flight, guy next to me, guy next to me, half the time sleep, sleeping, half the time snoring. But now on these planes, they've got these, these screens. And you can pick what movie you watch, you can pick what game you play, you can, do, it's, you can see the map of where you're going and, and some of the attractions beside you as you fly. And uh, unfortunately, these two guys were watching stuff that was, was not good at all. And I'm sitting here and I'm trying to, you know, look down and, and read my Bible and that kind of stuff, thinking maybe they see you reading your Bible, you know, it's not. It got to the point to where I reached over and turned off their screen more than once. Um, and I have to say, I did not cheerfully endure that flight. I didn't. I endured it. Yeah. I made it through, but I didn't cheerfully endure it. Well, we get to Brussels and we get on the next plane and we're headed to Chicago. And this is a, a longer flight. I don't remember how many hours, so I won't guess. But it was, in fact, it was, it was so open that I got three, a, a row all to myself. Brother Mike got a row all to himself. And I was able to sit and read. I was able to relax. I even got to sleep on the plane a little bit. Uh, Brother Mike and I talked a little bit because it looked like the, the path of the flight was going to take us over northern Michigan. There's the Mackinac Bridge, you know, and, and we were like, man, that'd be great if we got the opportunity to see that from the air, you know. And uh, as the flight goes on, I nap, I wake up and I look and I go, wow, I didn't realize we we're going this north. We go this far north. We go over Greenland. And I scoot you over. I look out the window and I see Greenland and it's amazing from the air. You can see the mountains. You can see the icebergs. It's beautiful. And then I go back and I sit and I lay down and, and I take another nap. I set my alarm because I thought, if we do go over Michigan, I'm not gonna miss the Mackinac Bridge. I'm not gonna miss it. And uh, I said a prayer, dear Lord, please help me see the bridge, amen. And then we start flying and we get closer to that, to that bridge and I look and I go, wow, it looks like the path, if the plane turns just right, because we were going almost directly over it, if it turns just right, it'll be out my window. If he turns a little later, I won't be able to see it at all. I was like, dear Lord, please, you know, it's just seeing a bridge, but I'd like to see it, you know, and we're getting there and it looks like we're turning. But then I look and there's clouds. It's Michigan. Of course, it's covered with clouds, you know. Um, they don't see the sun except for, I think, two weeks out of the year, something like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we're flying over and I'm like, I'm like, Lord, even if we fly right where I can look down, I'm not going to see it with the clouds. And as we get closer, I'm not kidding, the clouds part. And I look down and I see the Mackinac Island Bridge and I'm thinking, God, why do you care enough for me to see a bridge? Yeah. You know? And we're flying. And I don't mean to sound spooky. I really don't. But in my mind, it came, the thought came, occurred to me and it said, you'll see greater things than these. And I was like, 
Okay, so I'm, now I'm looking out the window the whole time. And we're flying, and we go over Michigan, and I'm trying to pick out things that I see over there. And then we fly over the Great Lakes. Well, as we're flying over the Great Lakes, I look down, and there's, I didn't know what it was at the time, but it's called the halo. And it's a, it's basically, it is a rainbow that's a complete circle. And it's, it's in the ice from the crystals of the clouds, and the sun's on that side. And again, I don't know what it is, and I'm looking at it a little bit, and I see a speck in the middle at the time. It's a shadow of the plane. And the whole time over Lake Michigan until we, we went below the cloud level, there's this rainbow with the, pl the outline of the plane right in the middle of it. Now, I talked to a pilot after that that, that we know. He's a 20-some year pilot. He's only seen those halos twice. Um, it's, it's kind of a rare occurrence. But I knew that God did that for me. So now here I am. I'm making this trip. I'm headed home. I'm going to see my loved ones. But all the way on that, on that flight, look, I could cheerfully endure that flight. I enjoyed that flight because I was looking around and I was thanking God for the things that he allowed me to see and me to experience as I was making this travel. Now, as we go through our lives and we go through this journey of life that God's given us, we've got the same opportunity to enjoy Amen. our life, a cheerful endurance of this sin-cursed world. I can't think of a greater gift other than our salvation, that even in this world, we can be happy. Amen. And we can be cheerful. As we travel through here, we can watch God work and do mighty, wonderful things in our lives and those around us as we go see our loved one. Thank you. Amen. Uh, it's been good. I, uh, I got a text before... Uh, Josh got up to preach, and my wife texted me. She was watching on after she said, she said, it's going so good. Is Colby going to preach? <laughs> Colby was supposed to preach tonight, and they told him he had to work tonight. And so uh, we're going to have to fit Colby in on some Amen. other night Amen. when he least expects it. It's a, <laughs> but uh, I know, Josh, that she enjoyed that because... Jo Beth always says when she, she hears preaching, she's, she wants something that's going to stimulate her thinking and something to chew on. And so I know that she enjoyed that uh, back at home right now. Well, we are, uh, it's been wonderful. I'm going to ask the men, you know, when we have the Lord's Supper and during the time that's being passed out, if y'all could just play some music from there because our pianist is not here. If you're, yes, ma'am. That'd be fine. That'd be fine. You want to come on over and, and just play something there? It's, then uh, Emily will do that. And uh, <clears throat> so we're going to uh, just kind of shift gears. But, you know, a lot of times uh, when they have a midnight service or a late, you know, watch night service kind of thing uh, at midnight, and, uh, you know, I've uh, been a part of different churches different times when they'd have the Lord's Supper at that time. Now, that's really not the reason we're doing it tonight. Tonight is our regular scheduled night to have the Lord's Supper. But as we con conclude our night tonight, what I'd like to do, what we're going to do is have the, have the Lord's Supper and, uh, and shift our gears a little bit. We've had some wonderful preaching. I'm, my soul's been blessed. My heart's been blessed. It is, it's a great thing. And folks, uh, I appreciate you being here for the, the men to preach because it is, is a good thing to get started. It's Amen. a good thing to start preaching. And, 
and to, and to learn and to grow and to work on, on your preaching. And, and the truth is, is it's, um, well, I'll just say again, if you'll start now, all of you that preach, just continue seeking God. Seek God and he'll give you truth. The Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. And he'll get truth on your heart. And if you'll just take that truth into your heart and you'll chew on it and you'll just let it build inside your heart, eventually it'll grow inside your heart so much it's got to come out. It's just got to come out. And, uh, and, you know, so many times over the years I would, I would have something that was burning inside of me to preach. Uh, I, McCullough is not Jimmy McCullough was in my office. Uh, his daughter was here this morning, but um, I was in my office and it was way back. I was just a demerit counselor. I didn't preach. I, I was, you know, not somebody that that they called on all the time. I'd been at the college about three years. Jimmy came to my office. He was a student at the time and he was sitting down and he said, what are you doing? I said, I'm waiting on a phone call. He said, a phone call for what? I said, they're going to call and ask me to preach. He said, how do you know that? I said, because I've got something that I've, I've, got, I've got to preach. And I know that God wouldn't have given it to me except that I'm going to preach it. And Jimmy said, so you really believe they're going to call? And I said, yeah. And when he finished the statement, I said, yeah, the phone rang. And I picked up the phone. It was Dr. Evans. And he said, I, Bob, I want to know if you were ready to preach. I need you to preach for me. And I hung the phone up. He said, what was that? I said, that was the call, Jimmy. <laughs> and I just believe that. I believe if you have it ready, God will give you the opportunity. He doesn't just give it to you to hold inside. He gives it to you to use. Well, we're going to, uh, as I said, shift gears a little bit. And we're going, if the, um, brother, uh, the men that help Brother Bob, if y'all all, all uh, get ready down here. And I get ready. And I'm just going to, as the men come up, I'm going to have a little word of prayer because things have been a little bit different tonight. And I'm going to have a word of prayer for us to just to kind of get our thinking back in gear here. Um, but before I do, I'm just going to read just a uh, passage of scripture to you and one that's it's rather familiar, but we'll read it one more time. And we always have new people and different people and people maybe that were not able to be here. But 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24 says this. It says, when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner, also he took the cup. And when he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. 
Father, I ask you to bless here tonight, Holy Spirit of God. I pray that you, in these moments of prayer, that you'd reset our hearts and minds. Lord, the resurrection was a new beginning. A new life was available to all of us. And Lord, this is what we remember here this, this night as we are here on New Year's Eve. We're about to begin a new year. And Lord, I pray that we would think of you every moment, every day. And Lord, I pray that in my own life that, that more often this year in 2018 that you would, you would just come into my mind that your, your desires and, and seeking you would come into my heart and my mind as I get busy with life. And Father, that more than, I, than I've ever done before, that I would stop and think on you, dwell on you, worship you, desire you. And Lord, I pray that tonight that we would do that as we have this time of the Lord's Supper, a time of remembrance, remembering the body that was broken for us, remembering the blood that was shed for us, for our eternal life, for our salvation. And Lord Jesus, I pray you bless all that we say and do here tonight, please. In Jesus' name, amen.